Thanks for tuning in to the HR Uprising podcast. I'm your host, Lucinda Carney. The HR Uprising is focused on helping forward-thinking people professionals deliver real lasting value in their organisations. I'm a chartered psychologist, speaker and trainer, and recently authored the best-selling business book, How to Be a Change Superhero. My day job is founder and CEO of software and training business Actus. This gives me the opportunity to work with other businesses like yours. We are focused on building a better workplace for people wherever they are located with the help of our performance, learning and talent management software and our training and consultancy services. Every week on the podcast, I will be covering different topics and challenges, joined by relevant experts and real-life people professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really hope you enjoy and get value from this week's episode. Welcome to this week's HR Uprising podcast episode. And this week, the topic is all about psychological safety, why it's so important a hot topic in this hybrid environment, and most importantly, what we can do about it. So what I hope to cover in this solo episode is a little bit of a definition of psychological safety and maybe identifying how it is the same or different from things like engagement and trust, because it's a bit of a buzzword, isn't it? Um, Explain why I believe psychological safety is something that we should really be focusing on at the moment in this hybrid world. I'm going to touch on neuroscience and some of the evidence for psychological safety and why it's important there. And of course, some tips um, that you can put in place to increase psychological safety if that's something that you think you want to focus on. So hopefully that will be useful to you. So first of all, what do you understand by the term psychological safety? It's an interesting one, isn't it? So it depends on whether you go back to the originator and actually one of these classic terms, wherever terms become popularised, we often think the person who invented it actually isn't the person who invented it. So, um, for example, there's a lady called Dr. Amy Edmondson, who's the person, if you went on TED Talks and has written books on the fearless organisation, she's a person that's usually sort of seen as being the guru of psychological safety. But in reality, it was actually um, William Kahn who actually introduced the term in the 1990s. So he's a psychologist and he defined it as being able to show and in Um, and employ oneself without fear of negative consequences in terms of self-image, status or career. So it's about feeling able to be yourself was how he defined it. Now, Dr. Amy Edmondson is the one who took it to the next level, but her original definition was very much about team psychological safety is what she was talking about. So she had a 1999 journal article and she defined it as a shared belief held by members of a team that the team is safe for interpersonal risk taking. So you can see that those two would fit together if you've got personal, personally feeling able to be yourself, um, but therefore you're going to be more likely to be able to take a risk in a team. Now, how is it different from trust? Well, the main difference between psychological safety and trust is that psychological safety is about our beliefs around the group, the group norms, really. It's, um, it's helping us interpret how we believe, what what we believe it means to be a member of the group. Whereas trust is more about the beliefs that we have about one another. So it's looking at it more as a group thing rather than a, uh, a, a team thing. 
So the key there, though, in terms of our group, again, is it's making sure that we feel that we are able to uh, position ourselves against the group norms. We are able to uh, make mistakes, raise problems, ask questions and disagree. And I'll look at that more in a moment in terms of the different steps that you might talk about it. But fundamentally, there is evidence and empirical studies from various regions across the world show that psychological safety does play an important role in workplace effectiveness. And uh, in actual fact, Amy Edmondson, if you do Google her work, she talks about various organisations where um, big disasters that have taken place could be linked right back to psychological safety um, in terms of other areas or or lack of it where disasters have taken place. I think BP might have been one of them, the um, pipeline thing. Um, But the converse as well, successful organisations. So she talked about Toyota as being real models of this, where they had baked it into the culture that you should seek out mistakes, expect mistakes. So that really made the culture very psychologically safe. And also Google back in 2015, they identified that psychological safety was a real key um, determinant of team effectiveness. And it makes sense, actually. I'll talk more about teams um, later. So hopefully we understand what it is. It's slightly different from trust. Uh, There are definitely links to engagement. um, And that is one of the things that comes through when you look at the benefits of it. So we can already imagine that there are going to be benefits from teams being more effective. But the empirical studies um, show that the specific areas where there's been a benefit from high psychological safety is in the area of having a sense of belonging. So someone who has a sense of belonging, you're going to you're going to be more loyal to the organisation, aren't you? So you are going to be more likely to stay with the organisation. We know at the moment that retention is a key challenge, isn't it? So psychological safety could be a really good thing to focus in on how you can do that. It also boosts employee engagement. So it looks at psychological safety could be a driver of employee engagement. Um, I guess I would surmise that that's because people feel more valued or more bought into the culture, so more likely to go the extra mile. You can see there then, of course, there's going to be those additional benefits of things that have been correlated with engagement are, of course, productivity, profitability, retention, reduced health and safety issues. So you can see, again, psychological safety via engagement linking to health and safety, people feeling safe to raise issues or concerns. And actually on that, I, I think there's a difference between being able to raise raise in a safe environment a concern and know that it's going to be heard is different from whistleblowing. In my opinion, actually someone who has to be a whistleblower where you have to stand away from the environment and go out on a limb, go against everybody in order to whistleblow, that's an example of a psychologically unsafe environment, in my opinion. Other benefits of psychological safety are we increase our learning from mistakes, so we get better results and less risk, and greater team innovation and creativity. So all of those are great things to have and particularly important at the moment um, in a hybrid environment. In terms of seeing teams that feel psychologically safe, if you were to recognise a team that, that had high psychological safety, you'd notice that the people respect each other's competence. So it's almost about valuing diversity and difference, care about each other as people. So there's that personal connection um, there. And they also trust each other's intentions. So they believe that the people mean well by whatever it is that they're doing. So in that sort of situation, if we're in a psychologically safe environment, our team's going to give us the benefit of the doubt. It means that we are much more able to um, make ourselves vulnerable, particularly if we or others have been treated well 
in previous situations where we made ourselves vulnerable. So in these sorts of situations, we're going to share our resources, share our expertise. Maybe we're going to volunteer it. And that's particularly helpful um, because if we're volunteering things in a hybrid world, because people might be sitting in isolation, so reaching out to help people. So in this knowledge environment, we need to make sure that people feel engaged, they feel able to speak up, to contribute, to take risks, to make sure that we are all building the best possible workplace that we can and to make us as competitive and productive as possible. So what mindsets might be associated with psychological safety? I like the work that Timothy R. Clock did. He also wrote about the four stages of psychological safety you can look up as well. And he talked about these four, the sort of path, if you like, to the highest level of safety. He started with inclusion, then it goes into being a learner, then a contributor, and then a challenger. So if you start by being by inclusion, so in terms of where we are here, you inclusion safety means that we feel that we are able to be accepted. We feel that we belong in a specific culture. And this is something that I'm conscious that particularly with lockdown and remote working, new starters may not have felt so much of this. It's been much harder for people to feel fully included in the recent times. And when we then take that to the next step, thinking about learning, feeling safe to learn and grow, if you are sitting doing a new job and you don't even know which folder to go to to get key information or templates or something, it feels harder to reach out, much harder than it would have done when you were sitting next to somebody, you'd got them a cup of coffee and you'd had a bit of a chat with them and say, well, which folder do I need to look at? So I think there's something about this distance and this, this this put a gap or literal distance between us. And that can mean that we feel less psychologically safe in our workplace. That doesn't mean we don't feel safe. Maybe people feel quite safe at home, um, but they're not necessarily feeling able to contribute. And of course, the risk with that is if we don't feel that we belong, we don't feel safe to learn and grow, i.e. that means I feel safe to make mistakes, then I might feel unsafe to contribute. And that's the next level. We want to feel that we can contribute. We have something to say. Our views will be respected and valued. And then the highest level is where we actually feel we can challenge. And you know, to be able to challenge, there's two aspects to that. One is uh, actually caring enough to challenge. Disengaged people probably won't bother challenging unless they're just doing it to, you know, be contrary to entertain themselves. So to challenge is where someone is bothered enough that they're going to take a risk, share an alternative view of things and trust that that risk is going to be respected. So those four levels, inclusion, learner, contributor and challenger are high, higher levels. And the mindsets that might go with them is the inclusion one is I feel that I belong here. As a learner, I feel safe to learn and grow. As a contributor, my thoughts and comments are valuable and will be listened to. And then as a challenger, I care enough to share an alternative view and trust this will be respected. You can think as a manager or a leader how you can you know, encourage those different mindsets, can't you? So you can um, ask people to, you know, how what they're learning or ask what they don't understand, make it safe for people not to know the answers. You can invite people to contribute and to comment, and you could even invite and welcome challenge. And this reminded me of the team 
work on things. If you think about Tuckman's work about forming, storming, norming, performing, where storming, that key bit to be a high performing team, you have to go through the storming aspect, which is where people disagree. They have disagreements where there's conflict and it can feel uncomfortable. So that was something that I thought about. And then also Patrick Lencioni's work, and I did do a podcast on this on Teams some time ago. Um, I'll try and put the link in the show notes as to the Teams one uh, to how this all came. So I've got some slides that you can access on it. So Lencioni's work, again, talked about absences of conflict. Having an absence of conflict would create a dysfunctional team. So if you flip it over, presence of psychological safety is going to create a functional team, isn't it? So um, certainly this, this whole idea, I think if you don't have psychological safety, feeling able to challenge, you're not going to feel able to function in a team and have healthy conflict. And that is going to make your teamwork less effective. So all really pointing to the same place, isn't it? So why do I think these are particularly important in a hybrid world? Well, it's something that I think that, as I alluded to previously, that people are physically further apart at the moment. So yeah, this whole sort of physical side of things means that people may find it less easy to feel included. We know that new starters have had less opportunities to bond. Uh, they've not necessarily found it as easy to gain a sense of belonging. So that could actually mean that you're not going to retain new starters. And let's think how challenging it is to recruit talent at the moment. If we don't get that sense of belonging and give them that sense of psychological safety as soon as possible, then that can be a worry for us. I think because we're not together so much, there's potentially fewer opportunities for people to share or challenge opinions informally. And of course, we know that Feeling able to learn and grow is always key for retaining people if they feel they've got opportunities to grow at work. That's one of the aspects of engagement, um, which Kalik is. And I'm not sure that we should overlook the fact that there is generally a generalised sense of anxiety almost in society at the moment because we've had COVID clearly and you know, a pandemic isn't great for people who suffer from anxiety. And now we've got a war going on that people are aware of, an unfair um, war. So there's lots there which can give people, it's generally going to be contributing to people feeling more nervous about sticking their necks out. They may not want to challenge. So if we've agreed that having a culture of psychological safety is key to team and individual performance and engagement, then all of these things are worth addressing. And it probably really does tie into well-being. Then I thought it's worth exploring um, what neuroscience says about this. And neuroscience has said quite a bit in terms of the fact that um, linking on from our point about feeling safe to challenge or uh, you know, the environment that we're in, this sort of generalised anxiety, what that's done for many of us is it's created a situation where we all feel much more like we're in fight or flight. So it's as if we're cave people and you know, we're thinking, running away from the bear or the wolf or whatever, fighting for our lives. But the smallest things are triggering those. Our brains are wired fundamentally for safety. And David Rock's research um, in neuroscience in terms of psychological safety showed that these five aspects of um, that created safety in our brain 
And these are status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness, and fairness. He talked about the fact that um, these five areas, that our brains can't necessarily determine the difference between real fear, when one of these, uh, real fear, like we're genuinely in fear for our life, and when these are threatened, these key aspects um, of, that, of our mind that uh, we like to focus on or that we like to have um, confidence around. So if you look at status, um, what he talks about here is that this is where uh, our status, how we perceive our relative importance to others. So whether or not we feel that we are getting value and respect from others. So that's something that if that is threatened, people might have quite a dramatic response. And if you've ever seen someone I don't know, changing a job title or something where they may seem to overreact, that's because status is something that invokes this primal fear response or a change in status, or it can, a perceived change in status. How is that relevant for hybrid working? Well, I think it could be, if you think about perhaps when I worked in the office, maybe my desk was quite close to uh, the CEO's desk and he'd say hello to me on the way in or have a bit of chit chat. That would have given me a sense of status that was separate to my actual job title. Of course, with a remote environment, then maybe I don't have any reason to network with that person. I don't have those connections anymore. So I might feel that I've lost some sense of status. And this is the sort of thing that if you, you there is some sort of ad hoc evidence of people feeling disconnected and not having the visibility of senior managers that there might have been otherwise. So maybe we can do something about that. Can we get, even if we're continuing to work in a hybrid environment, how can we uh, ensure that that visibility and connection is there more so for people if that's something that they, they see is relative to status? Then certainty, well, that's our ability to predict future outcomes. And that enables us to focus, of course, the can't really there's never been a never but this is a very uncertain time isn't it so you can understand why people are feeling um, lacking in certainty there all I can say we can do there as leaders is where there seems like there's a lot of change going on perhaps reinforcing and emphasizing the things that are staying the same um, so not everything needs to be changing now autonomy this is our ability to have autonomy in terms of control over events um, and certainly one of the things that autonomy seems to have been a positive for people working remotely. They felt more control over their working day in many cases. And I suppose that's something to watch out there is if we're moving hybrid or moving people back to the office, not to completely switch it is to make sure that people still feel that they have that sense of autonomy because it's certainly something that is valued. Relatedness. Well, this is our sense of belonging, that fundamental one of psychological safety. We want to feel included and part of the group, this whole sort of sense of in-group. How can we make sure that people do make connections, that there are teams, there are groups, um, and you don't get a bit of an in-group, out-group for the people who are going back to the office and the people who are choosing to remain remote. And then fairness, this is our inherent sense of justice, um, making sure that feeling that we have been fairly treated. Now, I can see that you might have a sense of proximity bias in an organisation. If I perceived that someone um, in, in my team had, because they worked next to the line manager who is going into the office or has been working on a project with them, they may feel that they're getting unfair special favours because of their proximity, their physically pro proximity, or maybe they've been just working in that closely with them, which gives them a head start. So they get selected for the interesting jobs, perhaps, because they're top of mind. So that's something to be aware of, to make sure that we aren't introducing that kind of bias. 
The other thing is the fact that when we are assessing people's performance, if line managers really haven't seen what people are doing, it could seem very unfair if they're the ones determining whether people have performed or whether they have uh, get, get a certain pay rise or whatever. So making sure that systems and processes can be seen to be fair, because that is also something that's going to affect um, people's sense of belonging. So those areas are just interesting. That scarf is what that comes to and uh, status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness and fairness. And it's relevant outside of hybrid working, but I just thought it was particularly interesting to think of it in relation to the impact of hybrid working potentially for people. So what can we do if we want to support psychological safety? Well, the things that we can do, there's lots of things we can do, use our common sense, be humble as leaders. But I've got a number of points here that might be good food for thought if you're going to try and encourage it in your organisation. One of them is encourage leaders to acknowledge uncertainty um, and not, not override it. And you know, it's a bit like change management, basically. So actually identify, yes, these are things, this is a change or this is uncertain, but remind people also what remains the same. We want to make sure that our managers and leaders actively seek out employee engagement by asking questions and invite ideas and views. So asking people what they think, asking and and searching out that feedback. We need to make sure that leaders are appreciative of contributions And so whether they are in agreement and actually maybe almost more appreciative of those people who are coming up with a different viewpoint. So encouraging differences of opinion and seeking out challenge. We should also try to demonstrate that we don't know all the answers. Make it okay to be vulnerable. Talk about this as servant leadership. Um, Just holding our hands out, admitting where we're scared or wrong or not sure what's going on. That can also make other people feel safe to do the same if our leaders do that. Ensure that we learn from mistakes as much as successes. So actually, what mistakes have we learned from? That's a great way of doing it. Offering to support people in a really practical way. So particularly if we're hybrid, so people might not feel that they want to reach out and ask for help. So you know, offering to share resources, knowledge or skills and making sure that we have personal and professional collaboration. So it's not just all, all very transactional because we just get on a call and we talk about that task in front. Make sure there is some of that human contact there so that we all do feel valued as individuals. And then other things, just practical things that you can do. You could, at the start of a meeting, do a temperature check just to reach out for people um, and say, you know, how are we actually feeling? Are we feeling a sense of belonging? Just to actually make it okay to feel about that or differences. Um, you know, what, what mistakes have we made this week that we learned from? How can we share that learning? So those are the sort of things that practically we could ask and bring that to light. And if we want to enhance the skills of our leaders, we could um, provide them with feedback. So if you do something like 360 feedback, then you could make sure that there are questions in there about how included people feel, um, help our leaders to become more self-aware as to how effective they are at creating a psychologically safe environment. And incidentally, we have a, I've just done a values dictionary that supports our Actors 360 Now product. And that has a set of questions that you could use to um, elicit psychological safety. So you could actually ask questions of people. And I say that would be great feedback. If you incorporated it into some sort of 360 feedback as leadership development, then your leaders are going to get that really accurate self-awareness as opposed to just depend on their own perception. So 
that's the key in terms of psychological safety. We've gone through quite a lot there. I realise it might sound a little bit theoretical because I did have to do quite a bit of homework to go and do this particular webinar. But just to remind us of, of what it was about. So it's certainly about feeling that we belong is a key of, and we belong within a group or within a team, within an organisation. The benefits of it are really very obviously around um, fewer mistakes, greater retention, greater engagement, um, greater creativity. Those are really key benefits. And I think in this environment, greater well-being is quite key as well. We looked at the mindsets and the source there was um, Timothy Clark. And we looked at inclusion, feeling safe to learn, feeling safe to contribute and to challenge. We focused on why it's extra important in this hybrid world because there's so much change going on and that ties into neuroscience and um, Rock David Rock's uh, model, SCARF model of certainty, sorry, status, certainty, autonomy, relatedness and fairness. And then we closed on various practical tips that we can use in our organisations to support psychological safety, to really bring it onto the agenda. And actually the other third um, tip that I say, so you can do check-ins at the start of a meeting, you could do 360 feedback. The other thing is you could incorporate it into training or development so that leaders actually understand what it is. So I've done it recently on a training course that I'm doing with people where I've taken those four stages of psychological safety and asked the leaders to say where they think they are or where we think the culture is. And that's not always the same place. So I hope that was useful. I will make a point of putting some um, in the show notes, some various uh, links and things, the things that I've talked about, including the team, uh, the team podcast that I did a few, well, probably a few years ago, maybe now. Um, so hopefully that will be something of value. As ever, if you would like to know more um, about what we do, please go to our website or we'll talk about it in the um, the, the music that goes out. So actus.co.uk. And I think I mentioned that Actus 360 now is a brand new standalone product. It was already available as part of Actus, but this is now something that you can use if you're an independent HR professional or an SME, um, and you could use it to develop your leaders and create a psychologically safe culture. Thank you for listening. I really hope you found this week's episode useful and enjoyable. If you did, perhaps you could recommend us to a friend or colleague or give us a review on your platform of choice. It really helps new listeners to find us. Now you can access links to any of the information mentioned in this show via the website www.hruprising.com. Further free resources are also available at www.actus.co.uk. There you can also find out more about our software and training solutions. Finally, why not join our LinkedIn group, The HR Uprising, to share ideas and collaborate with other like-minded people professionals. Thank you for listening to The HR Uprising podcast.